Servus und herzlich willkommen to another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works flagship show. And just as promised, this is Schnitzel and I'm joined by BFW's one and only Tom Adams, one of the most popular figures around here. And uh, we are back with our dynamic partnership, just as the fans requested, because whenever you guys want something, we always deliver. So I'm pretty sure Tom is in great spirits today after that 7-0 throttling of Manchester United. That was painful to watch for everyone who is a United fan, but otherwise maybe a joyous watch for everyone who wants to see United's downfall. So, Tom, how are you feeling today? You're wearing a Bayern jersey, which is quite yes. surprising. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> some thoughts. Yeah, to be specific, I'm actually wearing the, uh, you know, the red red and blue camo training shirt with the uh, 1920 trouble winning season, like mid layer, I think you call it quarter zip thing yep. over it because it choice. is freezing uh, in my basement where I'm recording now. Um, yeah, obviously a very, very good weekend. I don't want to spend too much time, uh, you know, gloating about Liverpool. I know some people don't like when I do that, but it was kind of like the big result across European football this weekend, I would have to say, because literally nobody had that predicted. There's probably some bum like in like, you know, bum, you know what, in <laughs> like Midwest, like, like, yeah. you know, the depths of the earth that maybe placed a bet on it got, got really rich. But yeah, great footballing weekend all around. Bayern Munich, hang on, hang, excuse me, hung on in Stuttgart, really nervy at the end, Schnitzel, but I was really happy to see uh, Delict play so well. That goal line clearance, and then just a few months later, that goal where well, he had Stuttgart's keeper, indeed. like, kind of scrambling. So a great weekend. Nonetheless, as I just mentioned to you just before we started recording, between the last time you and I recorded and now did have COVID for the first time, but didn't really get too sick. And thankfully, I'm, I'm fully recovered. I've already biked today earlier, played footy a couple of times and seven aside. And, um, you know, thankfully didn't get too sick, I guess. Just uh, have yeah, to be and uh, for, uh, uh, for everyone uh, listening, Tom also takes his zinc regularly along. With, yeah, very big. Yeah. Uh, uh, whole host of supplements so. and i are very very big on we're always uh talking after the pods about all of our health supplements and <laughs> uh, healthy eating and whatnot so definitely in, encourage and advocate everybody to eat as clean as they can and you know 100%. do their research on their health supplements and in consultation with a physician but especially now that, uh, doing yeah pretty good so like i said thankfully didn't get too sick just like i said after like you know i think six seven days of isolation i feel like i'm playing catch up because when you're actually going through it, much like when COVID was first around, it feels like so much longer than it actually is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, you're doing fine and it's great to have you back again. Absolutely. So yeah. without further ado, I think we should start with our topics. First one being, obviously, Nagelsmann's uh, usage of Gravenberg. Rand Gravenberg has been really, really uh, good. Like whenever, thereof, you know? Like, <laughs> like he's... Uh, He's been pretty solid whenever he's appeared for Bayern Munich on the pitch, but his appearances have been far and few in between, maybe maximum of 20 minutes on cameos towards the end of games. Yeah, Not a lot, you know, seen from him in terms of overall gameplay because he needs more time to mesh with the players and he needs more game time, obviously, but also given that the fixtures are coming thick and fast and we have relentless opponents, uh, Nagelsmann usually, usually opts for the Kimmich-Goretzka partnership. So... What do you think is his role in the squad and what do you see, you know, uh, are his opportunities come the business end of the season? Like, do you think he's going to get more minutes? This is kind of interesting because going back a couple of months, we all remember that Gravenberg, 
and his entourage, they made it pretty clear. They voiced his frustration at the lack of minutes, you know, the understanding and I guess, quote unquote, the package that Hassan Salihamidzic sold him and probably Mas Rawi as well coming from Ajax too. I know the case for him is a little bit different than it is for Grafenberg, but probably might have sounded a little bit different. I don't think he ever felt he was going to come in and supplant either Goretzka or Kimmich. Um, maybe the idea of rotation and the idea that Nagelsmann loves younger players at both Hoffenheim and Leipzig, he has a track record of working with them very, very well. Even Sabitzer when he was a few years younger, right, uh, Schnitzel? And that, I'll add to that, it's just the one thing as a Liverpool fan was great today, but feel bad for him, man, going out on loan and having to live through that. And I know, because he's yeah. been pretty good in the Premier League and uh, some of the cameos he's made, unfortunately, wasn't able to start last weekend in the cup final win over Newcastle. But just, I think that goes to show there is a track record with Nagelsmann and younger players there, but I just don't think it's occurring with Grafenberg because there's just too much trust in some of the other players, namely, obviously, Goretzka and Kimmich in the center of the park. And I think it's just the systems that Nagelsmann uses, whether it's a back three or a back four. I know on this podcast we talk ad nauseum about his tactical switches, but I don't see much change. Like The club seemed to have reaffirmed him that he was very much a part of the plans um, and then, you know, as recently as just, you know, a week or two ago, Grafenberg, you know, his name was being touted with Liverpool, Inter Milan, a couple of different clubs. Yeah. They're so, all aware of the fact that he's not getting enough minutes. So true. I don't really see much change. And Schnitzel, the fact that we're now uh, on what you would refer to as the business end of the season across all three fronts, I just really don't see that his minutes increasing too, too much unless somebody picks up a knock or you know, is really carrying something that needs to be rotated out. I don't know if you have different thoughts there. No, I think I'm in agreement with you there. I think uh, Nagelsmann is going to opt to go with a solid midfield partnership, the one that is already working, because why fix a clock that's not broken? But at the same time, I think that load management is key, especially come the thick end of the season. And we have uh, sent Graben, uh, Marcel Zabitzer on loan. And as you mentioned, it's quite unfortunate what he's going through. But uh, at the same time, he's also getting way more minutes than you would have ever gotten at Bayern Munich. And I hope that he starts more for Manchester United. Because if anything, that game showed us just how desperately they need more dynamic midfielders. You know, Sometimes it just looked like United were full of traffic cones and it was quite painful, in all honesty. So they were overrun by Liverpool, which says a lot, because Liverpool have not been in great form this season, you know. But now we've now that Zabitzer is out and uh, we only have Gavin Birch in the rotation, it would surprise me a lot if he doesn't get more minutes, especially against other Bundesliga sides. Yes, the title race is tight, but I don't think Gavin Birch should be thrown into the mix in the Champions League as of yet, because... There are huge games, you know, looming like the one against PSG, which we will talk about shortly. But I definitely think that he can get more minutes against Bundesliga sides, especially in games where we've already taken the lead or in games where the rest of the lineup has picked itself. So I think over time, Nagelsmann has to sort of figure that out. But yeah, that being I, said... I was going to say, it just does sound like we're in agreement that he's not going to be starting many of these matches. And so we still have... Uh, Leipzig, we still have Dortmund, we still have Freiburg. Exactly. Granted, we smoked Freiburg earlier in the season, but you know these are no formalities. I think the Bundesliga, as we all know, and as more outsiders should know, there's no formalities in this league. Yeah. It's going to go down to the wire. I mean, April 1st, Derek Lassiger, Schnitzel is going to pretty much 
That's going to be it, a terrific game. Yeah. You know, a yeah. title decider because uh, Dortmund also have teams left in the top six, including us as well. So they don't look like the Dortmund don't look like they are ready to lose points anytime soon. They're grinding out the games. You know, the oh, victories. and I know I've told you before, I, I hate Chelsea. So I'm very excited to, I hope that they uh, beat Chelsea in the Champions League, finish off yeah. that second leg. I think, uh, I mean, if things stand the way they are, it's very likely that Dortmund progress because Chelsea, they are, you know, they just did the Avengers Assemble version of football <laughs> only to play yeah. in the Conference League. So, you know, it's just a different yeah, situation. If, they, if they even qualify for that. That's very true, yeah. Hopefully not, you know. <laughs> Hopefully uh, teams like Liverpool keep them out of contention, you know, with victories in, in the games forward. Not Absolutely. throwing shade at your position whatsoever. but <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next topic, because uh, obviously now... Uh, that brings us to another player who has been benched in recent weeks continuously. Uh, and to my immense surprise, this player is Joe Gancelo, who was signed to be a bona fide starter for Bayern Munich. Someone who would just come in, slot it right back and just stay there till Mazraoui at least returns. Because Mazraoui still are not in full fitness right now. And yes, he has returned to training, but he is not in any case ready to start games as of yet. So... Imagine our collective wonder when Josip Stanisic, you know, started getting games on the trot, and now he's started two games in the, uh, on the run, and he doesn't seem like he's going to get benched anytime soon. I think he's slated to start against PSG as well. So, what do you think induced this change, and why do you think maybe uh, Stanisic is being preferred over Cancelo by Nagelsmann? I kind of correlate this to what worked against PSG. Uh, in the first leg, because if you remember, he was taken off uh, at halftime. And I believe, yeah. was it for Pavard? He, no, for uh, Davies. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, And his reason, I remember when he was asked after the match, was he wanted to give that side of the pitch uh, something to worry about because Cancelo wasn't offering that threat enough. You know, especially uh, after after we went 1-0 up, you could see that uh, PSG obviously had to force the issue and having a player like Davies is almost an insurance policy on both sides of the pitch because we know how how deadly he is at getting back with his pace, but we also know how much of a threat he is going forward. I know that a lot of Bayern fans have argued that this season, perhaps even less season, we've seen a little bit less productivity from him uh, in the attacking third from what we were used to in previous seasons, but he still possesses all of the uh, the right tools to be a threat for any team, whether it's PSG Augsburg, Minchin Gladbach, or whoever we're playing. He possesses that threat, and I think that's something that Nagelsmann noticed, especially using that back three. Just looking, um, I saw earlier, Kicker predicted the starting lineup, you know, with the back three, obviously, uh, Zomer. And then, again, just as you were talking about, Stanisic, Upamakano, Delict, just ahead of him, Kimmich Goretzka, and then Coman and Davies as those kind of like wingbacks, if you will, uh, with yeah. Musiala and Chupomoteng occupying those other positions. I just think it has to do with like piecing together, getting the most attackers he can on the pitch without running too much of a risk. Um, but I am a little bit surprised this one because you would think with the experience, especially in the Champions League, like put up numbers to numbers in the Champions League, Jal Cancelo versus Josip Stanisic, I think you'd it, it'd probably be laughable. Yeah, I mean, nobody um, really knows Josip Stanisic. So like, it's got to happen. Yeah, it has to do with something tactically uh, for Nagelsmann that he sees uh, maybe more defensive wherewithal or responsibility from Stanisic 
because uh, he knows Coman's going to be doing most of the attacking business on that side of the pitch ahead of him. Yeah. But, uh, For me, it's a bit strange because in the first leg, Benjamin Pavard started at right back. So it made sense that uh, Joe Cancelo would start on the left, right? Yeah. But Joe Cancelo is much more efficient and more effective on the right side, as we've seen. And that dude, uh, as you can tell from years of experience with being a Liverpool fan, he just sends in those amazing crosses from the right right side of the wing. And yeah. he just somehow float all over the defense and just like find the target of the striker or the winger perfectly, right? Like his... Right, and this benching schnitzel, that first one, was it PSG? Because he uh, came in, he played his, he made his debut against Mainz, had that, almost had two assists, but he had that beautiful yeah. assist. And then was it Wolfsburg after the four two? He yes, it was Wolfsburg. Yeah, and yeah. Then I think PSG was right after, and he was like uh, if surprisingly. You, if you want after someone, minutes. if you want someone to spam in crosses, Joe Cancelo is your guy. And the thing is, in that game we had Benjamin Pavard, but Pavard is out for the second leg. So you have this gaping hole at right back and left back is obviously going to be Davies given his recent performances, which have been really good. So when it's right back and you want to get as much offensive output as you can in the first half because you want to quell any hopes of PSG mounting a resurgence, mounting a comeback, right? And you don't want to give them chances like we did in the very early stages against Stuttgart where they just pressed as like crazy, you know, the first four minutes were quite torrid. And yeah, they, I mean, credit to them, they started very well. And, exactly. Uh, we could not get settled for like a good, you know, 10 minutes there. And you can't let PSG attack because their game plan is probably going to be, you know, wince and cry and dance around and prance and just somehow make sure that you kick the ball over the top to Mbappe and, you know, pray to God that he runs like a maniac and scores a goal, right? So that is the yeah. their entire game plan. And so much for Christopher Galtier saying they have style. You know, I don't know what style he's talking about unless if that style refers to uh, sending out fake injury reports of players and, you know, getting them miraculously back fit and, you know, ready to play. Yeah. If that is Although this. it does seem like the Neymar news is pretty legit and that he's hurt and that he won't <laughs> yeah, be I mean, playing. You uh, can't one. fake an ACL, right? Or can you? <laughs> it's, uh, the, the fact that you, this is even a question. Sure. Yeah, the fact yeah. that this is even a question says a lot about PSG as a side. As, or as I would like to call them, Q dollar sign G. That's how I refer to them in most of our articles. You know, it's, what, it's, I, what uh, I think of this is like I don't know if you saw. There's a clip doing the rounds from uh, Lake Classique last weekend between Marseille and PSG, where Galtier is having a go at some of the Marseille fans right beyond the bench. I was like, I, you rarely see that from a manager. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's his style, you know. <laughs> but anyways, for, for every man, his own style. Uh, that uh, th Those tactics of PSG aside, I think that we know the tactics that they're going to be, you know, using against Bayern. They're going to counterattack all the time. They're going to make sure that they use the pace of their front line and Nuno Mendes and other players to sort of get the ball in open spaces and just sprint towards the goal. We know that's how they're going to line up. So we want to make sure that a majority of their game is taken away by pinning them in their own half, by draining them, by making sure that Bayern controls possession controls all the chances, the opportunities, and suffocates them slowly but surely, which worked really well in the first half, by the way. They were camping in their own half. In fact, it was like they just set up tent, tents in their own camp, like in the in the first half, the entirety of the first half. They were just sitting in, inside their half, right? And Sergio Ramos was like 
screaming for their life when Muziala and the rest of the attackers just constantly like like pummeled him and uh, Nuno Mendes. So they were all experiencing a very difficult time and that was because Bayern attacked and attacked with intent. And they should do the same in this game. They should use the same approach and pin them back. And I think one thing that would be crucial for that is a player like Joao Cancelo, who, you know, his attacking offensive output is just incredible. And his pass will always find some attacker. So it's always dangerous to have a player like him. And imagine him combining with Coman. It's like having Davies and Muziela on the other side, him and Coman on this side. Nightmare to God on both sides. And yeah. then you replace him with Stanisic, who is very dry offensively. Like especially of recent, uh, uh, of late, I have noticed this game. It doesn't look very good offensively. He is solid defensively. That is for sure. He has very good awareness. He has good positioning. But I think the lack of offensive output means that personally, if I were to make a choice, I would start Cancelo over Stanisic. Well, I also wonder Schnitzel too. Is we have that one nil aggregate lead. We know that away goals don't mean anything anymore. We have that lead. We have an attacking balance in perceivably what, you know, kickers predicted lineup is, you know, kicker build the major uh, German tabloids always do their predicted lineups. Sometimes they're not always 100 percent right. And sometimes our very own uh, I need no name gets it right uh, instead yeah. of them. And we uh, we celebrate that internally here at BFW when that happens, because we know at Bayern, sometimes it is hard to get the uh, starting lineups right. But maybe he wants to have Cancelo on the bench and as sort of an insurance policy with that back three set, because it looks like it is a back three with yeah. what the uh, predicted lineup is saying, whereas is Stanisic, Upamakano, and Delict as that that three with Coman and Davies either side and Kimmich and Goretzka as those midfield anchors just ahead of them, um, and then Muller, Musiala, Chopomoteng occupying those other attacking positions. But I wonder if he's if he's thinking that Stanisic in the side, cause as, as you were just kind of alluding to the fact that of most of the defenders, right, even the center backs that we have there are attacking threats on set pieces. And even with their feet, as we've seen with uh, Matthias De Ligt yeah. with his goal against Stuttgart, which was kind of a rarity. Maybe the keeper could have done better, but... It was a vicious shot, though. It was. Like, I mean, and you're not going to score shots that you don't take, so credit to yeah, De Ligt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we said just moments after that vital gold line clearance to keep it nil-nil at that time. but So they posed the threats on set pieces, corner kicks, but Davies obviously always poses a threat. Pavard, we could argue, offers more of an attacking threat than Stanisic, but he's not available for this Once every year, he just comes out of his cave, scores a screamer off a volley, and goes back into hiding. Obviously, Masraoui as well with a bit more pace, but he's still working his way back from pericarditis, unfortunately. Um, So, you know, of all the defenders that we have available that routinely play Stanisic, probably not the most offensively Productive and Nagelsmann might know that, and he wants more of a defensive shape uh, with those guys in you know the opening phases of the match. And he has that insurance policy in the back, in his back pocket, if you will, which figuratively or actually is his bench and Cancelo on there, and maybe bringing him on because he knows he's been in those difficult situations. Obviously, in the Guardiola era, Man City has not won the Champions League because he kind of like overanalyzes things, but Cancelo's been there in those big moments, those high-pressure situations, and maybe he feels bringing Cancelo on in a situation would be better than what happened at the Parc de Princes and bringing him off after seeing something that wasn't quite working so well. 
Yeah, perhaps, perhaps you're along right lines. And and always, a Nagelsmann is someone who has shown that he is not afraid to make changes even before halftime, which is really good because if things are not going well, you need to make those changes. Like if can if uh, Stanisic, I mean, God forbid, something happens that you know, for example, leads to Nagelsmann believing he should be benched, like Mbappe humiliating him, for example, which I hope doesn't happen. But you know, it's it's scary to think of that front line against any defense. Uh, for, for, forget you know a 22 23 year old I, I don't know how young he is like he's probably 23 24 tops i don't remember the last time i checked uh was 21 so <laughs> i uh, he doesn't play very often for bayern so you know the times he features i wonder about his age but anyways he's very young and his uh, champions league experience is very limited i don't remember actually the last time him starting a game of consequence in the champions league I don't think he's ever started a knockout game for Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And uh, he is no, he's 22 so. years old. Yeah, he hasn't started any game of consequence. So this is like throwing him in the fire and especially against PSG. So yeah, baptism, baptism by fire against Mbappe and Messi. Messi, good luck. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I really question Nagelsmann's uh, decision-making here. But then again, if he believes that he gives more defensive stability, so be it. But I would have someone like Cancelo on my starting eleven because he has immense Champions League experience. He has that pedigree and he can be a difference maker, as we all know. He is an X factor on his own. So And calm at the back as well. Not exactly. Stanisic won't be, but obviously think, the pressure is going to be there from PSG. I actually think that uh, despite his uh, form and how he used to be defensively at Man City, he's been pretty solid defensively for Bayern Cancelo. Yeah. I think he's been very good. So uh, then again, I guess uh, at the end of the day, is the coach's decision that if he believes that uh, Stanisic is a better fit for the back three, yes, uh, so be it. But he should also keep in mind that he has to make the right changes when the time comes if we are shipping goals against PSG or if we are in need of more goals. So right. I guess at least it gives us comfort to have someone like Cancelo coming off from the bench because that will be pretty nice. And now for the big uh, elephant in the room, uh, obviously the game against uh, QSG. So, yeah, what do you think is going to be Bayern's lineup for the game, and how do you think QSG are going to approach the game? Um, I do think kind of what I said before, not to give kicker too much credit, but um, I think we had already seen all these reports coming out saying that Nagelsmann was going to go with Stanisic. I think he might have even said something himself um, about Stanisic starting that. So I do think it's going to be that Stanisic, uh, Upamecano, Delict, and then the double pivot of Kevin Thankfully, Kuretzka. Thomas Miller is slated to start. So yes. that's nice. Yeah. Yes. And I, we had a lot of self realization from our manager uh, the other week, Mitchin <laughs> Gladbach, where he was like, yeah, that was my bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't take a player off and then put him back on. But I'm sure at some point before that final whistle had gone and mentioned Gladbach Schnitzel. He was probably hoping that he could have. Um, but anyway, so I think that'll be the starting 11. And I do think what we were just talking about with Cancelo is something uh, that's part of Nagelsmann's thinking. Um, and I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. There's got to be something there uh, that he prefers, you know, with the defensive stability on that right side of the back three with Coman uh, playing in front of him and then having that policy of Cancelo bring, being able to bring him on either on the right or the left. I think we both agree a little bit more effective on the right, but we can play on the left. I think yeah. this is a, a high-stress situation. You might not trust Blind 
in, you know, because no, we know that he could play in the no, midfield no, 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 or on no, the absolutely left. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, and then Masrawi, unfortunately, doesn't look like he's going to be ready, although it would be amazing to see him on the bench for this. But um, yeah. who knows? Because we know how well he played against Barcelona when he had to come on for Pavard, one of his performances of the season for Bayern. Uh, so I think that's what it's going to be. And much like us uh, a few weeks ago, and as always, Schnitzel, full of positivity, optimism, and confidence. Um, I just think we, it was just the maybe the substitutions and taking our foot off the gas just a little bit too much, getting uh, Stuttgart back into the game yesterday, uh, Sunday, or Saturday, rather, at the time we're recording, because it's uh, still Sunday for both of us. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a little bit of a blip. I think the 2-1 scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect the amount of control that we had uh, throughout proceedings, you know, the majority of the match. Um, so I'm not too worried. And I did watch highlights of PSG's 4-2 win over Nantes. Uh, I'm not sure if you, that's how you say that at all, uh, by the way. <laughs> it's, I know it's not Nantes or Nantes. It's Nantes. Yeah. Nantes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so they beat them 4-2, but it, very sporadic, frenetic, and kind of all over the place defensively. Yeah. Uh, miscommunications between defenders and Donnarumma. So it's there for the taking. I think this, uh, I think PSG, I don't see them keeping a clean sheet whatsoever. I think uh, we're going to nip either a 2-1 or a 3-1. I do think Mbappe, you know, he just became PSG's all-time top scorer yeah. with his goal. I think it was the fourth of the four uh, against Nantes. Uh, so I, I, but I just think they're going to be too aggressive and too open trying to steal this tie and, and win it. Um, and I think we're going to, we're going to score tw- two or three times and, uh, either go through uh, 3-1 or uh, 4-1 on aggregate. Yeah, I also kind of tend... I mean, yes, PSG uh, give... QSG give me a nervous breakdown at times, and I really hate their... Uh, like, the way they carry themselves on the pitch, and they're just a bunch of babies, you know, just crying at every instant. And it, it, it looks pathetic at times because that is the tactic they resort to every single time, you know. Even if it's the ball that touches them, it's like they just wince and just scream and jump in the air and just, like, prance around and fall and just roll around, you know. It's just, it just ruins the essence of football. But yes, I guess... I guess uh, they have been hardwired to do just that against Bayern. Sort of, uh, I just hope he don't get carded because of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't think PSG honestly have it in them, even at full strength, to sort of put put pressure on Bayern Munich to an extent that might even leave them to lo- lose the game because. Bayern Munich uh, have a lot of composure and that attack, especially now that it has Thomas Müller, you know, is rejuvenated and it has a lot of experience and it's very professional when you get the job done. And Chupamoting Moting has been excellent as of late. He's been scoring every single game. And, yeah, and uh, I thought he deserved a goal in that first against PSG too. I thought he started very 100%. well. 100%. His hold-up play was also pretty excel- excellent. Uh, I just think Absolutely. that he needs to do a little better with his finishing but that being said, uh, yeah, it, it looks very good for Bayern at the moment, especially defensively. I think uh, Delict and uh, you know Upamecano are set to do a very good job, and hopefully continue on this retrain of form. But that also brings me to another sort of subtopic that stems from the same against PSG. Uh, you know, Nagelsmann his substitutes. He does have a very nice bench, but. Does he really bring Leroy Zani and Gnabry on on current form? Like, those guys are not impressing at the moment. And 
you know, I love what Lirazani can do on some Champions League nights. He has that yeah. X factor in him. But I think I believe did he did Zane go a full ninety again in leg one against PSG? I think I he think might have, I... but yeah, it did look uh like against Stuttgart. They kind of like Zane was taking, you know, heavy touches on on the run and then losing possession, you know, while we were in transition. And passing um, and to like the defense have, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and just kinda Gnabry just never really seemed like he got up to the pace of the match. Exactly. Like we talked about, I think we talked about two weeks ago, Gnabry is just one of those odd players, like very streaky form, and he could just pop up with, you know, like four goals against Tottenham. Yeah, very You know, an all-important goal against uh, Lyon uh, the season we won the treble late on in the Champions League. So it's just, it's odd, but like, yeah, I feel like more often than not recently, he seems like a step behind. Yeah. um, Or a little slow, uh, you know, to the, to the, I don't know if it has something to do with uh, Paris Fashion Week. Or yeah, maybe, whatever. maybe, uh, maybe that's too much in his heart, and he doesn't want to beat up on PSG. I don't know, but yeah, but or yeah, it could be I mean, as simple as him losing the afro. You know, sometimes it's as something as simple as that. Like he needs to go back to being Af- Afro Gnabry because we remember Afro Afro Gnabry from that 2019-20 season. That dude was unstoppable, and. Every time he's brought the Afro back, he seems to score goals. I don't know. It's probably like a positive correlation in there. Maybe uh, maybe Zane should too. Get rid of that little like uh, fro ponytail. Thing. I don't even know what you would call that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm not too sure. It's a it, it, it yeah. It looks like a it looks like a bun. Yeah. Yeah. I think pro bun. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, probably dreadlocks as well. He was pretty good with dreadlocks last season, you know, Leroy Zane. I think. I mean, we really do have it all with hair at Bayern. Triple <laughs> Motang with like yep. my color highlights. Kings yeah, of Milan with yeah. that like faux hawk. Jan Sommer with just the natural flow. Long Came hair, in with yeah. a standard four four two. Gnabry and Zane are just like your uh, X factors. It's something new every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It is a very nice diversity of hair, indeed. But. uh <laughs> You know, if only uh, Leroy Zane could actually bring back his torrid form. Like, he has been spectacular in the past for Bayern. And I just hope, you know, he gets that sort of motivation inside because it could also be a psychological thing, you know, getting back to him and maybe the fans not really helping with their attitude against Zane at this point in time. So maybe he just really needs to get it back together because he can be a very, very crucial difference maker in big games like the Champions League. And... uh, I somewhat feel that he will still come on as a sub despite not performing that well in recent weeks. And I think he could, you know, turn it up a notch in this game against uh, QSG. So let's see what happens. I'm just hoping for 100%. the best. Yeah, he, uh, I always feel he does have that in him too. I really wanted uh, Mane to also, you know, be completely match fit, but it didn't seem like he was quite up to the task in the, in the game against Stuttgart. Yeah, it was just like During... 20 minutes or so against Stuttgart and Union yeah. Berlin. He didn't look very sharp, but he is another massive difference maker. And uh, that game against Liverpool, I will never forget, you know, for the rest of my life, where he almost single-handedly won them to tie, and he was so, so good that game. So if he can recreate such performances for Bayern in the Champions League this season, uh, you know, we might as well just win everything because he is unstoppable when he's in that form. So I hope he gets his chance to impress as well against uh, QSG, but uh, not very sure if he'll get a significant amount of time. But that is what I'm hoping, because we have a healthy bench and Nagelsmann might, you know, use it wisely. But then well, again... I will remind you, Schnitzel uh, Mane is no stranger to beating PSG. 
as he exactly. did in the 18-19 season when Liverpool yes. won it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I will also never forget that uh, game against Barcelona to come back, you know, in the yes. second leg. Yeah. There's a great clip actually from that PSG game where Mane kind of uh, sends Neymar for hot dogs. Neymar, obviously not exactly known for his defending, but it's a great clip. Yeah. I remember how often it did the round. So if you want to get pumped up for this week's match, definitely uh, you could Mane, PSG, Neymar. It'll be on there, obviously. Mane won't start and Neymar won't be involved, but maybe he'll do it to somebody else after he comes on. I'd love to see him do it to uh, Ramos. Yeah, I would love that too. Yeah, one of my most hated players, but the player I hate the most of Casimiro? all time. Yes, <laughs> you got that one right. Yeah. You're probably happy today then. Yes, I was delighted. I mean, uh, see, it's like I I don't hate United, but I hate that one dude because uh, I just he just doesn't get carded, and I don't like it. You know, he just gets away with too many fouls. He's a very scummy player, and. I, I I don't know. He's just card prone. He doesn't get yellow carded, red carded. When he did get carded once for United, I think it was last season. No, no, it was this season. Yeah, red carded. I was yeah. so delighted. You, you just know? have those players. I remember for me, it was Fernandinho for Man City. He always seemed to escape cards. Yeah. And then uh, when uh, Levy was yeah. still with us uh, a couple of seasons ago, it was always uh, Abraham for Eintracht Frankfurt. He was always trying to wind up uh, Levy. Ah, yes. And uh, Hinteregger as well. I feel like he Sometimes got away with a little bit of murder, which I don't know how, but some yeah, players like, just like have every that luck. And every, every, so many teams in every league have those types of players. Mm-hmm. And uh, on a side note, this is on a tangent, basically. Uh, given that Liverpool have come back from massive deficits in the past, the Champions League, like the game against Barcelona, do you have any hopes going into the Real Madrid fixture? Of Liverpool staging a comeback? <laughs> no, I've kind of written that off and just going going okay. to it with nothing, but. I saw uh, they were, because interestingly enough, uh, Man U play uh, Real Betty in the Europa League, and I think Betty played uh, Madrid today. I haven't even had a chance to look at the results. Uh, yeah, not Madrid sure how that probably won, I think. Uh, I need to check that as well. But, uh, but yeah, no, looks... before I get more uh, comments about <laughs> speaking about Liverpool too much in the yeah, no, podcast, no, re- podcast reviews, yeah, I, I think that one's written off. But Wait, like, uh... I genuinely... Like I here's, have more faith in here's uh, a nice Bayern bit of good in the news. Champions League than I do for Liverpool. Here's a nice bit of good news. Uh, Real Madrid drew with Real Betis. Oh, they did. What was this? Yeah. What was the score? Zero zero. They didn't oh, wow. score against Real Betis. Yeah, it's crazy. How about that? How but about uh, that? write that off because Benzema is probably getting a hat trick, you know, in the Barnabas. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, probably. They will always turn the tide up in the Champions League. They like, I feel like do. any team, like Bayern's been there so many. So many times in recent past where we've played so well and just somehow not gotten a result there. Yeah, 16, yeah, 17, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Mean, uh, the seventeen eighteen season when uh, Sven Ulreich made that mistake. Oh, God. And Rafinha as well. Terrible, terrible blunder. Yeah, when Hamid, yeah, Hamid scored and celebrate, I remember. Ah, uh, no, good riddance, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, just hoping for, you know, luck to favor us this time. And obviously, uh, the squad looks all riled up, so... Things are looking good for Nagelsmann and Co. Yes. 
And on that very positive note, which is how we always like to end our pods, because, you know, being a Bayern Munich fan is something to celebrate. And, uh, you know, facing PSG in the Champions League, obviously, it's a great uh, test, a great uh, way of Bayern showing just what they're capable of in the Champions League. So uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, we'll be fine. Nagelsmann is doing a decent job. No need to get the sirens out yet because (laughs) we should at least secure a double this season. Hopefully things keep going this way. So once again, thank you all for listening. Thanks a lot uh, to Tom again for joining me on this podcast. Uh, despite obviously battling through injuries and COVID and whatnot, you know, <laughs> and obviously cycling back and forth. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for making time. You know, we always try and uh, cover these pods for you guys because uh, we never want to, uh, you know, miss out the opportunity of giving you quality content. So make sure to like, rate, share, and subscribe to us on any and all podcasting platforms uh, that you use to listen to us. Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, of course, our customary uh, shout out to the aliens out there listening to us. Uh, ensure to give us your feedback in the articles at Burian Football Works, and we will men- uh, ensure that we get uh, John Dillon, you know, working on those translations because if anyone could crack those codes, he can. And uh, make sure to also read our constant coverage of Bundesliga and world football on Bavarian Football Works, and make sure to check out our Twitter channel at Bavarian FB Works and the Twitter of all uh, Twitter handles of all the staffers at BFW. And until the next episode, hopefully after a victory against PSG, see you once again on another podcast very soon. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen.